Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, truth, justice, and the American way, and that's what everybody should uh, stand for, and that's what our country's all about, and uh, God bless America. And uh, Rita, I mean, it's just... uh, what it's all about. Well, and by the way, I know of a great new book that just came out. And uh, joining us also in studio, we have Craig Eaton, the former Brooklyn GOP chairman. And, and a prominent attorney. And a prominent, a very right. prominent right. attorney. Right. That's okay. That's all right. And we also have Judge Richard Weinberg also here in studio. And, you know, we just all came back. I, I have to revel about you, uh, John, because... It was an awesome book party. We just had a book signing that John was, uh, you and Margo were like, everybody from ABC came out and tons of fans of the show came so hundreds out. Hundreds of people there at this, uh, at this book signing. It was, it was a great, a great, great event. It was a great, a great book event. party and hundreds of people there and, uh, and people had a good time. Yeah, and by the way, we're diehard fans, and we're so excited to like learn. Your book is, of course, called "How Far Do You Want to Go: Lessons from a Common Sense Billionaire." And, and you know, um, you know the, the the big joke I tell people, I said, I guarantee you, read the book, you're going to make a billion dollars. <laughs> I said, he said, I am. I said, yes, and if you buy two books, you. can. You're going to make two billion. <laughs> what happens if you get three or four? Uh, you then you make the Forbes list, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You, you know what, John? I read your book over the weekend. I was away. It's amazing. I urge everybody to read the book. It's it's easy to read. It's fun. It's enjoyable. And you learn so much about my dear friend, John. I was on case. Rosanna Scotto's show this morning, and uh, we went over a couple of tidbits, and it, it was fun. It was really fun. And a lot fun. of the people that came to the book party Saw me on Rosanna Scotter this morning. That's great. The power of media, you guys. And by the way, speaking of the power of media, we have with us joining us now on the show on Cats and Cosby, New York Post reporter Alex Mitchell. And Alex wrote a great story. He wrote an amazing story about John Katz and Matitis. Great to have you with us, Alex. John, Rita, it's always a pleasure. John, it is a great story, if I do say so myself. And it's a great story because we're talking about a really, really phenomenal just friendly neighborhood billionaire of New York. And it, it was an absolute pleasure to write. And I learned so much. It is really something fascinating that, I mean, it's going to be off shelf before you know it. I really do think so. Well, I think Barnes and Nobles uh, sold out today. And uh, they're they ready. Couldn't they, they, the they couldn't keep up with the demand. They couldn't keep up with the demand. And they asked, uh, I think they're getting more books in from the manufacturer than the publisher. Yeah, that, that printing mill is like churning 24-7. You know, Alex, one of the great stories you did in the in the great article that you wrote in the New York Post about John was this moment where he said, I'm going to work at the grocery store. Talk about like, I love how you encapsulated it because it was gutsy. He left school to work in the grocery store and his parents were not happy, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, John, you were you were in a situation where you were, what, six credits away from graduating from NYU. And and you went back home and said, just kidding, mom and dad, I think I'm going to go work in a grocery store instead. And um, well, my mother, my mother yelled, my my my, no, my father yelled, my mother cried. And they said, we sent you to the university to become a Hamali. That's a, a Greek, that's a Greek, Greek Turkish word 
that means the guy that carries crates on his back. John, just imagine if you're a graduate at NYU, how successful you might have been. I mean, I would have made a deal. <laughs> and, uh, and John Sexton, who's the dean of NYU Law School and also the president of the university, said to you, why don't you come back and finish the degree? And what did you tell John? I told him I'd come back and teach a course. Wow. <laughs> but you know what was a great lesson? True story. Of, lesson of all of that, though, John, was also – be courageous, because that was the message. Uh, having known you for so many years, as we all do here, and obviously all our great listeners, it, it was be gutsy. Go for it. Be courageous. Don't be afraid. Is that sort of the message you take away, John? Yeah, you have to stand up and be counted. And, and listen, this is the same thing that we're saying to the FBI director. I, we said, look, if the Department of Justice is doing something that you think is wrong for the FBI, don't be afraid. Stand up and, and, and say it. I mean, you, you, somebody has to have the courage to stand up. Well, that's why I love the subtitle of the book, and everybody. And the same thing with what's going on in, in Albany now. Well, that's why your book, the subtitle, is Lessons from a Common Sense Billionaire. Because that's what you espouse every single day is treating everybody fairly with common sense. When you read the book and you go through chapter by chapter, every chapter has a lesson. And at the end of the book, there's a summary of some of the lessons. And because it couldn't cover all the lessons, but there's a lesson in every chapter if you and just read let, it. Let me say something. The other thing before, I think we can have Alan Dershowitz on. Yep, Alan Dershowitz Let's is coming on in a minute. Let's get his opinion on things. <laughs> and well, first wow. of all, Alex, thank you very much for being with us, the great New York Post reporter. Thanks so thank much. Thank you, Alex. And you did Absolutely. a great job on the WABC 100 year ceremony, too. Oh. Thank you, John. Thank you, Rita. Best of luck with the book. I'll keep listening. Thank you. you. Come back anytime. And you did. And as you mentioned, we have Alan Dershowitz here now. Of, of course, a big, huge. First of all, before we get to the student loan thing, uh, do you have John's book yet, Alan? It's more important than anything. Well, no, but I'm looking forward to making my second billion dollars after reading the book. <laughs> I'll send him two books. <laughs> you know, I'm told the second billion is easier than the first billion. So oh, always, looking- always. But what I'm worried about, John, is that somebody's going to read the book, go out and invest, not make a billion dollars, and then sue you for breach of contract. You're going to have to hire me, and I'll represent you, and we'll win the case. But I can't wait to read the book because you're one of our heroes. Uh, You're a true hero. You're one of these people who puts the lie to those who say, well, there are real Americans who came over on the Mayflower, and then there are the rest of you, imposters, you Jews, you Greeks, you Italians, you Irish people. Come on. Our country is made of the children, grandchildren of immigrants. And without people like you, we would not be what we are today. So I'm looking forward to read the book. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, uh I gotta get those honorary degrees somehow. And oh, you should get, you should have a slew of them. A slew. Yeah. Alan, can you get him a Harvard degree? Can you work on that for us, please? Well, well, you know, uh, uh, if the donation is large enough, you can get it. What's it called? Checks appeal? Checks appeal? Look, there, there are great, I remember when, when, um, um, you know, honorary degrees are, are, some of them are very, very well earned. Some of them are not. You would be, a well-earned honorary degree. I think you would be an inspiration to the students. You would be a great speaker, graduation speaker, to tell the students, now that you've graduated, you don't have to worry about following my footsteps and dropping out. Now that you've graduated, you know, you can really take advantage of that. You know, you, you got John Sexton. John was my former research assistant at Harvard. Wow. I met him when he was, I met him when he was like a, a kid student. He, he is one good guy. Let me tell you something. John Sexton is a good guy. 
unbelievable. How one about a Casamitese Institute for Public Policy, Alan? What do you think about that? <laughs> well, you know, there should be a chair. What about a Casamitese University? Policy. Why are you just doing it like I have one institute, Judge? You're no, let's move off. on to business. Yeah. To that didn't work let's out too good for Trump. To business. Uh, yeah, Trump University good. didn't work out too well. That's true. And by the way, there is a lot of business, uh, Professor Dershowitz. Big story today. we got to get your take. Um, this is on the sure. student loan debt. It, of course, yep. is being heard before the Supreme Court. This is the most insane thing. Uh, you've got Biden, who, of course, made all these promises, did it by executive order, totally went around the system. And now it's, of course, and, up for and the, the citizens believed him that he could do it. And how many? Well, 26 you know, million, right, John? 26 million people signed to get refunds of, on their student loans. And they thought they were for 20. If they voted uh, Biden's way, that they would get a $10,000 reward for it. Outrageous. Well, maybe they will, but Congress has to do it. You know, the American Constitution puts all, all issues involving money directly in the hands, first of the House of Representatives and then the Senate. The president simply does not have the power to do what he did. Look, but the 26 the million people that filled out those applications yeah. thought so. And, and they vote, yeah. and guess who they voted for, Alan? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. It's so, you know, I was telling John, when I covered like even the Obama elections, people would come out after, I voted for Obama because I'm getting a free this and a free phone and a free uh, yeah. this. Same thing. Well, it's like you know, buying <laughs> the votes, if you will. Well, but it'd be very disappointing when people are told that no, they, they can't get that money just from a presidential directive. It needs congressional support. Look, I'm in, completely in favor of making student loans more available. I could never have gone to college. If my parents had to pay, we had no money. Fortunately, we had Brooklyn College, which was free. And I went to Brooklyn College. I wouldn't have gone to college. John and I would have been selling groceries together. Uh, By the way, that uh, would have been some business. That would have been a yeah. great business. If, if somebody had charged me to go to college. So I'm very sympathetic to the kids. It would be called Cass and Dersh. Yeah, Cass Dersh. Professor, this is Craig. And the question I have is, so Biden came out and did all of this. And yeah. and he already it's already factored into the 2020 election because people thought they were going to get these forgiveness, sure. these loan forgivenesses. They all they all voted for whoever Biden wanted them to vote for. And now now they're going to find out that they, they have the wrong deal. Do they get their vote back? Uh, nobody. No. But it, it's sad, <laughs> no, it's sad no, that they can do this and get away with it. That's the sad. Yeah, thing. But well, you have to be skeptical of campaign promises. Yeah. And yeah. we know how many campaign promises are and kept. Look, to his credit, Biden tried to keep the campaign promise. The Constitution, however, doesn't permit him to do that. Look, there have been exceptions. Thomas Jefferson ran for president on the argument of limited presidential power. I don't want presidential power. I want limited presidential power. What is the first thing he does? He buys Louisiana without any congressional authorization. So this process goes back to the beginning of the American Republic. But the courts have gotten tougher and tougher. And they want to go back to the original intent of the legislature making these decisions and not necessarily the decisions being made by the president or by the courts. But uh, Professor Dershowitz, you know, what's amazing is that it's on tape. I mean, that's the thing. You have Biden on tape and you have Nancy Pelosi on tape saying the president doesn't have the authority. I mean, in the past, they said this. So they knew they didn't have the authority. And in fact, I think we've got the Nancy Pelosi. Here it is. Take a listen. This is her a few years ago. The difference between the president, the president can't do it. So that's not even a discussion. They, not everybody realizes that, but the president can only postpone, delay, but not forgive.
Isn't that amazing? So here it is. It's on tape. And now suddenly they think they have the authority. Is that called hypocrisy or what, Professor Dershowitz? Yeah. And in fact, she was even wrong about the president having the power to delay. He can only delay in the event of an emergency. He can delay when you have COVID. But he can't just delay for purposes of delay. That, too, has to be done by Congress. But she had it right. And uh, President Biden had it right when he originally said, you know, when you're in Congress, you really respect the power of Congress. When you're in the presidency, you somehow neglect that and say, hey, I'm the president. I can do anything. So it's uh, it's wrong. And it's wrong when any president does it. And presidents of both parties have tried to assert powers over Congress that they don't have. And that's the job of the Supreme Court to be a referee between Congress and the presidency. My prediction the Supreme Court will limit the power of the president to make financial decisions of this kind. Alan, I want to ask you another question. Sure. Uh, in uh, various cities across the country, even states are looking at now, they're talking about giving reparations for certain uh, identified groups of people. Are reparations yeah. constitutional? No, not if they're based purely on race. Of course not. For, for example, um, many people of a certain color did not experience slavery. They came to the United States years after slavery was over, and the people who would have to pay weren't part of slavery. So if you do it completely on the basis of race, that's wrong. What happened, I helped work on the Japanese detention reparations. These were people who were still alive, who had been put in detention centers just because they were Japanese, and Congress voted for, I think, $25,000 per family of the people who were detained. These were the actual people. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense to go back nearly, you know, 180 years to make reparations to people who didn't themselves uh, suffer from the horrible experience of slavery. And also the numbers that they're talking about in this, this commission, this board in San Francisco, they admit they have no logical basis. It's just an arbitrary number. Yeah, but there's a million, right? A five million dollars. Uh, five million. Can you imagine? And by the way, I mean, since since you're allowed, Rita and I, I, Professor, that, since you're allowed to yeah. self-identify, what stops any of us from self-identifying now as African-American entitled to the money? Everybody will do the those ancestry thing, tests. The other thing I want to talk about regarding race is the, 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 the claim that they want to name a street now after uh, Elijah Muhammad, racist, anti-Semitic bigot, uh, Elijah Muhammad. Uh, No, no. Uh, If you're going around tearing down statues, which you shouldn't be doing, if you're going down rewriting history, which you shouldn't be doing, don't honor a man who barely is gone and who was a horrible representative, not only to white people, but to black people. Uh, Just horrible. And who knows what his responsibility may have been for the death of uh, of other people uh, like Muhammad Ox and others. So the idea of a street being named after somebody like that and and young kids being told to look up to somebody like that is absolutely outrageous. You cannot have this kind of double standard based purely on race. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. You're a bad person. You don't get a street named after you. Yeah, 1,000%. Professor Dershowitz, we love you. Thank you so much for being here Uh, on Cats and Cosby. It's always great to have you. Thank you, my friend. Great to have you here. Thank you, Professor. And, John, we got an action-packed show coming up. We have Dr. Ben Carson coming up, the one and only. He was a member of President Trump's coronavirus task force, and we're going to talk about the COVID cover-up and the White House saying And, and also we have results. John Solomon coming up towards the end of the show. On Buttigieg. And, and, and on Buttigieg. And uh, we have uh, former NYPD and 
uh, FDNY uh, Commissioner uh, Howard Safer. Yeah, and Lori Lightfoot, by the way, on the hot seat today. Big mayoral race in Chicago. So lots of stuff. Don't touch the dial, everybody. Cats and Cosby continues after the break. Common Sense Recap of the Day's Biggest Stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. And we've got an action-packed show here. Of course, we've got coming up John Solomon, also former FDNY and NYPD Commissioner Howard Safer, and also Derek Malt talking about an explosive hearing on the border. But now we have the one and only Dr. Ben Carson, of course, retired neurosurgeon, one of the best in the world, also was head of HUD, Housing and Urban Development, and was a member of President Trump's Coronavirus Task Force. Dr. Carson, we love having you here on Cats and Cosby. Thanks so much for being here. Well, thank you, Rita. It's always good to be with you and with John. Yeah, thank you. Dr. Cosby, we we had uh, uh, dinner last night with one of your friends, and he was on the, in the studio uh uh, Robert Unanaway uh, and uh, oh yes, of Goya. He's a good person of Goya Foods. He is a wonderful person, and the work that he's doing with uh, human trafficking is absolutely outstanding. It is amazing. Now, speaking of something, I think that isn't outstanding. <laughs> you know, Doctor Cars, we had to have you on. It's amazing. The White House is downplaying so much this energy department blockbuster report that came out yesterday. Of course, it coincides with the FBI saying that a lab leak was likely the cause of COVID-19, which, as you know, it claimed close to 7 million deaths around the world. Think of all the destruction. I know you and I talk so much during it. Uh, now the White House is saying, well, we're not really sure. It's their own energy department. It's their own FBI. <laughs> What's your reaction, Dr. Carson? Well, you know, the thing that really disturbs me about this is the way that they tried to suppress any opinions that differed from the fact that it was a natural evolution from animal to human, which was ridiculous when it came out of an area where there was this Wuhan laboratory, which has a record of carelessness, and they were doing gain-of-function research. Of course it came from there. I mean, common sense would tell you that. But there deep desire to suppress anybody who had a story other than the one they they were putting out is extraordinarily dangerous to our democracy. They're always talking about trying to save democracy. Uh, There's a lot of hypocrisy involved there. Yeah, and you think about for health, too, how many lives were lost, too. I mean, you think about it, had they gotten more information? But they destroyed, Dr. Carson, it's Judge Richard Weinberg, so good to talk to you again. The the problem is, what they did is they eliminated the evidence they they blocked any ability for an independent study of the of the source and what you could do to set up regulations and standards to protect against another outbreak what say you well exactly it's it's completely antithetical to scientific principles you're always talking about follow the science science doesn't suppress what doesn't agree with them they're always theories you know when years ago it was whether the earth is round or whether the earth is flat it was debated you know galileo and some of the others you know wanted to debate um but if you don't have the debate you tend to go down one road and it leads to bad places you'll remember they didn't want to talk about natural immunity 
uh, and now they're saying, well, yeah, natural immunity is probably as good as uh, induced uh, immunity from the vaccinations. What a bunch of crap. You know, we've known about natural immunity since the Civil War, and we've known how effective it is. And all of a sudden, what's that? You know, and this is just ruining the relationship between the people and government scientists. And that's the real damage that's being done here, because this will not be the last uh, health policy issue that comes up. But it's going to be very hard for them to regain the trust of the people. And everybody, we're talking to Dr. Ben Carson. You know, Dr. Carson, I I have to ask you the question also, because you grew up in Detroit. Your story is amazing. I think of. Um, you know, rags to riches, the story of your mother inspiring you in a tough community. Uh, Chicago is now having a vote today um, for Lori Lightfoot uh, for mayor, whether she or other eight other uh, contenders might rise and make it, um, whether she gets reelected again. And she's upset because there are six other people in the race that are African-American. And she's saying, it's not fair. I should be the only person that's an African-American. And she's saying the people who are critical of her, and they have a 52% increase in crime in Chicago, which, you know, it's terrible. And she's saying, oh, you're they're racist if they're criticizing her. What do you say about all that, Dr. Carson? I don't understand why she's not hiding under a rock. I mean, <laughs> since, since she started, look at what's happened. And when people think of Chicago, they think, is it safe to go there? That's a real problem. No one should be proud of that. And I don't really see any solutions coming out of her mouth for the problem. The solutions are pretty obvious. You punish people for doing bad things, they stop doing them. You reward them for doing them, they do them more. I mean, all of this stuff is like such common sense. It's it's almost as if we've lost our minds as a society. And the people who who think with common sense need to be much more assertive. Yep. Now, now the the mask the mask situation. Uh, there's a study came out. He says the masks did zero uh, for for helping people getting COVID or not getting COVID. And then right. somebody else stood up and says, "Well, why do the doctors wear masks?" Well, doctors wear masks, obviously, particularly in the surgical room, because when you talk, if you look carefully, you can see spray coming out. You certainly don't want that going into the patient's room. Absolutely. You're correct 100%. Yes. See, that's a good answer. Yeah, that's a great. He knows it all. And you got a question for him also, Judge. I want to switch gears. I was just talking to Professor Dershowitz. I want to ask, and I asked him the question about reparations and whether it was constitutional. He said no, and I, I agree with that. But let me ask you a question. Reparations are good ideas, a matter of public policy of, of this country, whether it's a federal reparations or a state reparations or a city doing it? What do you say you? Well, it's untenable because how do you decide who gets them and who doesn't? Uh, you know, and who should have to pay for them? Recognize that the majority of whites in the South didn't own slaves. Slaves were owned by aristocrats. So should the ancestors of people who didn't own slaves have to pay the ancestors of people who were slaves? That's just one of the many problems. You know, how much black blood do you have to have? And what about the blacks who were slave owners? And what about their descendants? Where do they fit into? They have to pay double coupons. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> By the way, Dr. Carson, speaking of your success story, because you talked about rags to riches, have you read the best book that's out there? How far do you want to go? It's by John Katsimatidis. Oh, I'll have to read that. I will sure send you a copy. An autograph copy. An autograph copy. <laughs> All right. Thank I'll you, Dr. Carson. Thank you for everything Take you've care. done for our country and continue to speak out for our country. Thank you so much. All right. You Thank you. Fun. We love you, Dr. Carson. We really appreciate it. And everybody, coming and up, now, we have Steve Moore, by the way, is going to be joining us after the break with more money. Also, what, what else? we got Lou Dobbs going to give us a, a report on the markets today. And I had a friend of mine who says, without Ed Foreman, Without truth, there is no justice, and without justice, there is no happiness. That's very nice. I have profound words. That's Let's go. Yeah. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. We got a full house here on the show. I love it. Of course, Rita Cosby with the great. Every seat is filled now. Well, I was about to say uh, the biggest seat is filled by the biggest author. How far do you want to go? Yes, the big best-selling book already with a big book signing today, and also still with us in studio. And Barnes and Noble ran out of books. Oh, it ran out of books. It was, there was a crowd. I was like, could I get through? I know John Katzimatidis. Could I get through? It was great, and we. We have also with us Judge Richard Weinberg, of course, the great judge, our favorite Democrat here, and Craig Eaton, former Brooklyn GOP chairman, of course, our favorite Republican, and our favorite economist is in the house, Steve Moore of More Money on WABC. One o'clock on Saturday afternoon. It's appointment. It is must-see. And and you know what? You have a take on all the Supreme Court stuff. I want to get your read because we were talking earlier in the show with Alan Dershowitz, who said he doesn't think it's legal. Um, what are your thoughts about all the student loan well, stuff? We have a judge here who knows a lot more about the, the uh, judicial system than I do. But I was struck by some of the statements that the, the uh, Supreme Court justices made, including Justice Roberts, uh, you know, saying he didn't see how this was – Basically said, I didn't see how it was constitutional, but I, I think one or two of even the you know more liberal members of the court uh, well, expressed right. a lot of skepticism. Absolutely right. So this, this could is be unconstitutional. Yeah. this really is Steve unconstitutional. Yeah, it so couldn't it, be more it goes, unconstitutional. It goes beyond that. Yeah, the the, the he knew right. President Biden's yes. advisors knew he it could not enforce yes. it. Even uh, Nancy Pelosi jumped exactly. up and says. He doesn't have do the authority. Now, Nancy, and, and, and that sort of uh, says, well, I said it, he doesn't have the authority. But 26 million Americans signed up for it. And how do you think those 26 million people voted? I wonder how they're going to be. They actually also have started, I believe they actually started relieving the debt. So can they claw that money back? And 
I could never understand the logic of this in the first place. I mean, why should all Americans have to pay read of higher taxes to pay for you know deadbeats who don't want to pay their student loans? And by off? the way, I had a student loan for Did the record. It? I paid it you off, and I'll it. never. I was the happiest person how, when yeah, I paid it off. You're right. How about all the people that right. paid? I, I paid student. I didn't have student loans. I paid for my children's right. education, uh-huh. but a lot of their friends have student I loans. I can't get deal. their money back. The tuition at NYU when I went to NYU was only twelve hundred dollars. Six hundred dollars was paid by the uh, by the state's uh, merit scholarship, uh-huh. and six hundred dollars my father paid. Now I thought you said you didn't have a college. I thought you said money. you weren't a college graduate. He's he, not six oh, credit not, short. Six credit short. Oh, six credit short. <laughs> okay. Wait, by the way, by the way, I think John, you have to give Steve Moore the advice about how to become a billionaire. Yes, you had some great fiscal advice. If you buy my book. Yes. Guaranteed, I will certify you will read it and make a billion dollars. But if you want to make two billion, you have to buy two books. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Number. Is that good uh, financial <laughs> advice? But, you know, the, this one serious point, though. The Constitution is crystal clear, is it not, that appropriations of money, Rita, have to go through the Congress. We do not elect an yes, America. But the a ordinary dictator. person, the ordinary American doesn't know that. So are you going to, you want to say he got, they got conned? Yes, I will say they got conned. Yeah. Certified by the judge. Certified. 100% they got conned. Certified by the judge. And by the way, 100%. everybody, so many topics today. One of the other big things in the news, huge hearing on fentanyl on Capitol. It was, I have watched a lot of uh, congressional hearings. This was one of the most emotional. There was a mother who lost two sons to fentanyl poisoning. Think about it. And it was Riveting. Everybody is talking about it. And joining us now on Cats and Cosby uh, with Judge Weinberg, Craig Eaton, and of course, Steve Moore, and of course, the great John Katz and Matides, okay. is Derek Maltz, former DEA special agent in charge. Um, Derek, first off, uh, your take about this is dramatic, uh, this hearing today, and you're testifying tomorrow. What are you going to say? Well, first of all, I've been talking to families several years now. And although this story was really sad today, the Michigan mom who talked about her two sons, the one son who died a day after his high school graduation. And what was really most interesting to me is how she openly testified to that she thought her kids were just taking prescription pills because no one in America knows the damn pills are fake on the streets and they're killing at historic levels because the government is not telling anyone. So tomorrow when I testify at 9 a.m., at the House Judiciary uh, Subcommittee on Crime and Government Surveillance, I'm going to be really, really straightforward. We have to destroy the production labs in Mexico with or without the Mexican government. We can no longer rely on the corrupt and soft leaders in Mexico to save American kids. It's that simple. Just look at what's happening with the mass poisonings around this country and look at the statistics of how much is being seized. So the thing is, Rita, if this is what government agencies are seizing, and my hat goes off to them because they're saving lives every day, I just imagine what's on the streets. I agree. This is John Katzmatidis. I agree 100%. And if I was president of the United States, I, I would call up the president of Mexico. We're going to send in our, our airplanes, and we are going to level those drug labs. And if you don't like it, let, you know, Strong letter to follow. Yeah, why are we so mamsy-pamsy with it? Well, because of the politics about China and the border. Because the border is wide open because of this administration's soft-on-crime policies. They want these people coming here for the vote, but they're not taking into consideration the destruction of our country. 
and all our communities. I was in New York recently. Now to think all these small businesses that are going to go out of business, these souvenir shops, because they're right next door to a luxury hotel that's housing these these inconsiderate migrants that are throwing out their food and destroying these hotels, and all the taxpayers in New York are paying for this? It's insanity. Well, it's tr- Derek, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. I'm, I've been reading these reports now. Not only do we have to worry about the southern border, we now have to worry about the northern border in Vermont. What say you? Absolutely. Well, look, because they're shifting resources. And remember, criminals in this world are going to take advantage of weaknesses and vulnerabilities. They don't have bureaucracies to follow. They don't have any budget constraints. And by the way, I want one of those damn books by John Katz. I want to be a <laughs> We'll get you an autographed copy. Right, right autograph. down. One more autographed copy. Oh, my gosh. And one for Mr. Marks. You've got to make some humor. But here's the thing. They're shifting resources around because they don't have enough to do the border processing, migrant care, and babysitting, and transport of people. So the northern border is wide open. And let me remind everyone, 9-11 hijackers came into the country from the northern border. Okay? So, so we have a national security. I'm calling for President Biden to declare a national health and national security emergency immediately. Let's start sending a signal from the top. Now, sadly, I know he's not going to do that. Okay? But you know what's actually interesting, Rita and John and everyone else? is if you listen to the drug czar's testimony on February 15th, which I listened to every word, what did he say? He basically said that he and the president, this is unacceptable to them, what's going on. It's a national security and health emergency. Basically, new era of drug trafficking. So the question is, where's the new era of aggressive you know, action against these terror cartels who are working with China? We can't just keep arresting people and seizing drugs. We have to destroy the land. But Derek, you know what the, the problem, the problem we have in New York and other states is you got bail reform and you got criminal justice reforms and everything else. So the criminals are no longer afraid. They have no fear of going to prison. They have no fear Absolutely. of being incarcerated. They have no fear of the criminal justice system coming down on them. So it's kind right. of a two pronged approach. We have to, we have to take it from the, yes. the approach you're taking, but we also have to send a message that the states need to enforce the laws. They need to change their laws. They need to be tough on criminals. Hundred percent. I agree with everything you said. I mean, just look at those two cases in New York. I know Bridget Brennan very well. She's been working many years, you know, solving cases and, and seizing drugs and taking down the cartels. They made that big seizure of meth and a big seizure of fentanyl, and the targets were let go. They weren't even put into jail. They're cartel representatives, and because of the weak system in New York and other states, so outstanding point, uh, they were let go. And the bad guys take advantage of that. Just like the, uh, the, what do you call those, smash and grab robberies all over the country. Look at these school beatings that these kids are getting in school on video, and they're not being held accountable. Yeah. Well, it's, well, retired agent, uh, retired agent, well, DEA agent, uh, uh, Derek Maltz, thank you so much. And, and please, we'll talk to you in the next couple of days. You let us know how the testimony went. Absolutely. Thank you very much for all thank you guys you. do. Thank you. Uh, right now, Rita, let's go to John Solomon. And joining us now is the great founder of Just the News, John Solomon, one of the greatest investigative journalists out there. You have some big news on Buttigieg, who, by the way, has taken lots of heat in the Ohio train derailment and everything else. 
Yeah, listen, he's been on the hot seat for many months, starting with his failure to really get a handle on all the flight delays that we started experiencing last summer, last fall. And, of course, they came to crescendo during the Christmas holidays where people were grounded sometimes for five, six, seven days without their luggage. Then uh, Ohio uh, uh, tragedy occurred. He was disinterested, disengaged. Uh, but now uh, the Treasury Department Inspector General, that's the internal watchdog for the U.S. Treasury Department, says it has begun an investigation of Pete Buttigieg's use of private jets to go ferry him about at taxpayer expense around this country. It's noteworthy for two things. One, clearly a question about the misuse of taxpayer funds for personal uh, uh, preference or personal uh, convenience. But also, this is one of those climate guys that was out there talking about carbon footprints. Didn't seem to have much concern about a carbon footprint when he chartered himself a a jet at least 18 times, according to the Department of Transportation's Inspector General. So Pete Buttigieg now going to feel some internal pressure within his own agency. And just a little bit ago, uh, a freshman member of uh, Congress, Congressman Collins of uh, Georgia, came out and said, you know what? I've been talking to a lot of my colleagues impeachment is not off the table for Pete Buttigieg. He better get his act together or he might find a vote in Congress uh, to oust him from uh, from his cabinet role. So Pete Buttigieg feeling the heat today. I, you know, I, John, I don't know how they can give these people jobs of such responsibilities with billions of dollars of budgets involved. And, and these guys don't know their left arm from their right arm. I mean, how can this happen in America? There's a lot of concern that Pete Buttigieg and other people in the Biden administration were simply checking a box for the woke agenda as opposed to checking a box for the qualifications you need for the job. And I recently had Rick Rennell on my uh, podcast, and he really shouted this out. They're, both men are gay, and, and they're openly gay about it. He said, listen, I think Pete Buttigieg has set back uh, our progress for gay Americans because he got the job just because he was gay, not because he knew a single thing about transportation, and that and his performance only makes an embarrassment for all And Americans. how about the guy from Homeland Security? How about him? Yeah, the the, the luggage thief. That's right. Yes, he's... Oh, the uh, nuclear guy. The nuclear guy. That was crazy. It was. It was. And uh, many examples of it in this administration. Uh, the woman who was uh, running disinformation uh, for a while at the Homeland Security Department, another person who's credentials and partisanship were questioned. Lots of questions about the administration and the proper credentials for the job. But Pete Buttigieg likely to be the poster child of Republicans taking a look at incompetency in the cabinet. Now, you also have another big scoop, John Solomon, adjust the news here on Cats and Cosby about Chinese owned properties near U.S. bases. That is I, I, it's amazing to me that they even have properties so close to our sensitive sites, especially after the whole spy balloon thing. Well, what's really fascinating is I, I think you and I, we all talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I have uh, talked to a lot of people who say the Chinese spy balloon was this generation's Sputnik moment, a wake up call that maybe China uh, didn't have our best interest. And it comes about three years after Joe Biden looked into the camera and told all of us, China's not our enemy. They're not our competition. We have nothing to fear. We now know we have a lot to fear. There's been an enormous backlash, TikTok being pulled off of federal devices just in the last 24 hours. But one of the things that you're seeing a lot of governors, particularly governors in rural states or states that have big military bases, is they're moving quickly, either through executive order or through their legislatures, to ban the purchase of uh, to ban foreign purchases of farmland or sensitive land in the United States. So they're creating a review process to keep uh, foreign company or foreign countries from owning either valuable food supply chain land or strategic land. Well, we now understand why. 
three quarters of Americans. It's very seldom that three quarters of any Americans agree on anything. Three quarters of Americans in a new Trafalgar poll say they like the idea of banning Chinese oil property near U.S. military facilities. This is popular. What it's showing is that people have moved from the notion that Joe Biden sold a few years ago that China wasn't a threat to, hey, they really are a threat and we're not going to give them any more strategic advantages. Wow. And, uh, hey, we got time for one more thing. Any Anything else that's hot? Oh, there's a lot breaking in Washington today. I think the big story here, the Supreme Court took up the student loan debt case. And to the justice, the conservative justices were incredibly dubious that President Joe Biden had the constitutional authority to do this. They reminded the Biden administration lawyers, hey, we just told you last year in a big West Virginia case, you can't make up law. If Congress hasn't passed it, you can't do it. Uh, A lot of harsh treatment of the Biden administration may be a signal that at the uh, Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, there's going to be a lo- another loss of Joe Biden, particularly as it relates to executive power and overreach. That's the big story everybody's talking about here. John, did he sign an executive order trying to get it done? He did. He did. Wow. He executive power yeah, he, and the education department did as well. And you know what happened, John? You know, he signed an executive order. The average person in the United States doesn't know what the heck is going on. 26 million applications were filed. And how do you think those 26 million people filed if they're thinking they're getting a $10,000 bonus? Yeah, who do you think they voted for? Who do you think they voted for? (laughs) Oh, I think we know the answer from the polling. There goes the red in November midterms. That's what happened to the red wave, John. They stop. I I don't want to use it. Other people get, 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 get (laughs) in trouble by using the word stole. I won't yeah, put the right. word stole an election in the same in the but same you're sense. Right. The, the Twenty six million people suddenly sign up. They think they're getting something for free. And ten thousand dollar bonus if you vote for yeah. me. Yes. I'm going to give you ten thousand dollars. Just like uh, Obama, the free cell phone. Or people were like, "I'm voting for Obama because I'm getting this free," and you get ten thousand. And just like in 2020 election, vote for the right uh, guy in Georgia, and we're going to give you twenty six hundred dollars or twenty nine hundred dollars. And guess what? They delivered. Yes, and guess what? Uh, people vote, and they think, boy, freebie, I'll take it. Uh, John Solomon, we love you. Thank you so much for being great here. Great to be with you guys. Thank you. The great John Solomon of Just the News. Wow, really interesting about, uh, we were just talking like Buttigieg, the pothole guy. Now he's in charge of uh, transportation, and what a mess he's been with Ohio. What, what was the joke they used to tell about Buttigieg? That he can't run a one-car funeral procession? <laughs> he, was, he was the pothole expert, and now he's suddenly in charge of transportation. I, I actually, he didn't even do a good job on the potholes. Let the record be clear. That's true. Well, by the way, our next guest uh, certainly knows how to diversify and do a couple good hats at the same time. Um, and that is former NYPD commissioner, also former FDNY commissioner, Howard Safer, joining us here with a full house on Cats and Cosby. Uh, great to have you with us, Commissioner. Good to be with you, Rita. You know, Hello, John. How are you? Are we ever going to build a, a police museum? What, what, what are we doing? Because me and Howard work together in the police museum along with Carol, his wife. That's a great project. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to talk about that off, off air. That's going to take a while. But, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get a clip back. Well, speaking of police, uh, John, um, the disrespect for police and, like, low recruitment numbers. And now there's this new story, Howard, of... Um, U.S. murderers stand a 50% chance of getting away with it. New studies are showing out that half the people get away with it. Boy, what a mess, Howard. Absolutely. The fact is the 
murder clearance rate is going down, and that's just an indicator of the defund police movement, the leftist DAs, the lack of trust in police, uh, and and the numbers are really skewed because you know, it counts what you count. If you talk to the NYPD, they say that they're increasing the clearance rate. If you talk to the FBI, they say the NYPD is not increasing, but lowering the uh, clearance rate. Wow. And, you know, I got to ask you about Chicago today. There's a big race uh, for mayor in Chicago. Crime is on the ballot, Howard. Um, and Lori Lightfoot, who's been a disaster. The latest numbers are showing 52 percent increase in crime in Chicago just this last year. Um, and there's a guy who's supported by the um, FOP, the Fraternal Order of Police. Um, what do you think is going to happen? Why are these people even why is she even in, still in the race? Why are people still voting for people like this? Unfortunately, the people in Chicago have gotten used to 500 murders a year, and their politicians keep telling them that they're doing something about it. But Lori Lightfoot has been the absolute opposite. She's one of the primary causes because she doesn't support the police. She doesn't support assertive policing. And as a result, I wouldn't be surprised if they had 600 homicides this year. That is stunning. Um, you know, um, John, you wanted to ask um, Howard about the lithium batteries and his role as FDNY. When you were commissioner uh, with the uh, FDNY, was there any problems with the uh, ion batteries that they're having now, lithium-ion? There there wasn't when I was there, John, because there was not such a proliferation of them as there is now. But now there there are constant uh, reports, especially from these e-bicycles of these electric bikes, of these uh, batteries exploding and causing fires. It's very dangerous, and people have to learn to treat these with respect and not uh, just store them away where there's heat. You know, I want to ask you also, um, Howard Safer, but we're talking to former NYPD and FDNY Commissioner Howard Safer. Um, have you been watching the headlines about St. Louis? This is amazing, where the attorney, where the um, attorney general there is trying to push out one of the lead prosecutors who's been really soft on crime. She's fighting it. Um, do you feel the tide is turning, though, that like maybe people are just so fed up? And in fact, there's a Democratic mayor there who's also trying to push her out because he wants the city to be safe. Well, you know, I think what's happening is the majority of these crimes are happening in, in underserved communities, in low-income communities, where people primarily want to earn a living and protect their families. And they're finally getting fed up. But, you know, this these left-wing prosecutors, including the one in New York, are one of the primary reasons for the rise in crime. You know, somebody commits a gun crime, they get out, they get arrested with a gun, and they're out the next morning. Why shouldn't they commit more crimes? The signal that we have been sending to these leftist Democratic prosecutors, mayors, and governors is criminals don't have to be afraid of police. And I've always said the only people who should be afraid of police Criminals. Absolutely. Unless you have a sort of policing, it's not going to happen. Bravo, bravo. Well, thank you for all you do, Howard Safer, also former NYPD, FDNY. Thank you for keeping us safe. He served our city very well and continues to speak out for the goodness of our city. Thank you, uh, Howard Safer, and we'll catch up on the police museum real soon. And what do we all stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America.